Thanks for pressing play. You're now listening to Manager Damn Money, the podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Ben Carter. And in this episode, we're talking to Jacqueline Twilley. Jacqueline is a very enthusiastic woman who, at an early stage in her career, decided she wanted to help others, specifically women, figure out what to do when they got offered a new job and had to negotiate. We talk about a couple different things, including strategies, how to get ready for the negotiation, understanding what's important to know about companies before you ask for what you want. Um, Also, unusual things that you can ask for beyond salary or a certain amount of days off in a year. Uh, And then we'll also cover a little bit about the gender wage gap and what that is and why that is and how women can actually work to combat it. So let's talk to Jacqueline and see what she has to say right now. Well, we are thankful for this episode to be talking to a wonderful young lady um, I'm joined by, and I would explain what she does, but I think she can actually do it better. Miss Jacqueline Twilley, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Ben. It's my pleasure. Absolutely, absolutely. So really quickly, um, I just want to understand, I, I know you deal with negotiations and helping people understand the negotiations process for pay situations, uh, usually for when people get new jobs. Explain to me like what you do and how you describe yourself when you're talking to people. So I describe myself as an equal pay advocate. And what I do day to day is I provide millennial women with the tools to earn what they're worth. So whether they're going in for a job interview and they're negotiating their salary or it's a performance review questions, Uh, Or if it's a situation where they have a side hustle and they're negotiating for their business, I equip them with strategies and tools so that they can earn what they're worth. Excellent. Excellent. Um, And and we'll get into like the details of of what those things are. But uh, like, how did you get into doing this work? Like, how did you become work towards becoming like an expert, if you will, in this area, specifically for what for millennial women? So that's an excellent question, Ben. What happened was I was at work a few years ago on Twitter, and I saw that Sheryl Sandberg was promoting her book, Lean In. And it was an office hours hosted by an organization called Levo League. Levo is L-E-V-O. It's Latin for Elevate. So I was blown away by the presentation online. And so I, I looked up, and there was a chapter in Atlanta. So I went to... An event. It was an equal pay event for women. And that's where I learned about the gender wage gap. And I also learned some basic techniques so that you can vocalize what you want in your career and take agency of your career. That two things happened there. I got pissed off because I didn't know that there was a wage gap. <laughs> I was also pissed off because I didn't know I was supposed to negotiate my salary. So then I decided to do something about it. So I just channeled that frustration and that energy that I was feeling and decided that I could do something. And I just started immersing myself in salary negotiation techniques. And that was part of what got me started to um, develop my expertise. And from that, I just invested heavily in myself taking courses, going to negotiation conferences, talking to experts, really talking to my family who I have a lot of entrepreneurial women in my family asking them, you know, did you negotiate and how do you set your rates and your prices? And it it was a very, very humbling and eye opening experience to start looking into the world of how we earn what we earn. Right, right. Absolutely. And I want to kind of take it back just a little bit. Can you explain exactly for those who don't 
know who didn't know like yourself, what is the gender wage gap? Right. So the gender wage gap is a very complex problem. There are a lot of things that make up this gap. I started focusing on women and negotiating because as a millennial career professional, that was what was most relevant to me at the time. Right now, on average, women earn 79 cents on a dollar compared to a non-Hispanic white male in America. But that's not the full story. Black women earn six, like 68 cents on the dollar. You look at Latino women, Native American women, and it's even less. It's extremely heartbreaking. So this complex problem of what women earn compared to what men earn, there's several components into that. Part of it is paid family leave because women are typically the caretakers of children and elderly parents. Right. So they have to take the type of jobs that won't allow them the flexibility to earn what jobs, you know, these positions that pay higher salaries mm -hmm. pretty much. So then, so that's one component of it. And then you have a component of where women leave the workforce because they're giving birth to a child. So they call that the, the mother penalty because you're giving birth, you like your body has to heal, right? So, <laughs> so it's like, it's crazy. And then there's these other things um, that are related to the family. But then also you, you just look at our society as a whole, and this is worldwide, that women are expected or traditionally have been expected to stay in the home and not work. And so I've heard conversations where men actually say hire a woman because we can get her cheaper oh wow <laughs> and so in some instances women are so excited to just have a job where we'll just say i'll just take it and we won't ask for what we're really worth right so when you talk about the gender wage gap it is a hugely complex issue but i focus on one area of that well i had been i'm expanding now to focus on more but i have been focusing on the negotiation piece okay and uh you mentioned when you first got into this you were talking to people talking to family members friends about their experiences i think i myself can agree that i only recently came into the you know i think idea and common knowledge that you know there is space for you to kind of negotiate and position yourself for whatever the situation might be whether it's like a business opportunity on the side or even your main job or a new job that you might be getting so what, what did you learn when you were talking to people about their understanding of the concept of negotiating when you first like got started? So a very fascinating and interesting. For the most part, people do not realize that they negotiate daily. And so my first encounter, like the first level questions, people would say, I don't negotiate. I haven't negotiated. And then especially with my family, when I started talking to them, I'm like, but we negotiate all the time. Like, I have a nephew who's nine and a niece who's three. They always want stuff, and you always go back and forth with them. So initially, people say, I don't negotiate. And then when you probe, you realize that they do negotiate, but they just don't realize what they're doing. And so that's a skill that's underdeveloped and under undertapped. So I'll give you an example when I was speaking to one lady, she told me that she was a manager of a retail store and she never asked for anything more than what they gave her. 
when she was promoted from an associate to a store manager, they gave her a 75 cent raise. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's that's not good. It's not good. And this is the other part. She then had to drive an additional 40 miles to get to the store that she was managing. Oh, so that's so like she, a, she's like kind of went in the backwards. She kind of negated from she, she took a money out of her pocket. Right. And so she never asked for more money until her store was robbed and she was held at gunpoint. Oh, wow. And for a lot of people, what I learned throughout my discovery process is that they don't ask for more money until they get frustrated and they feel like they have nothing else to lose. So a lot of people are afraid to even start the discussion about money because they don't want to blow the opportunity to have that job or work on a project. And so I tell all of my clients that, and when I teach classes, I make sure I tell every class this, it's very rare that the first offer is going to be the very best offer. So if, if nothing else, if the only thing you say is, is this the best you can do? At least say that so that if there is more, they can at least throw it on the table. Right, right, right. Okay, excellent, excellent. And I, I kind of want to get into that a little bit more um, in a minute. Uh, but I also know that you have a, a book that's available, as I understand it, on av- Amazon. Um, it's called Navigating the Career Jungle, a Guide for Young Professionals. Um, why don't you first tell me what the book is about? Um, yeah, what's, what's the book about? So the book is about... My frustration of my career journey and then looking at my peers. So when I graduated from graduate school in 2009, I moved from Ohio to, to Georgia, temporarily for, to Louisiana for like a week. But right out of school, I started working for this very respected company. And at that point, I stayed at AT&T for two and a half years. I was a rising star. I worked on all of these special projects. I mean... Things were good, right? I was mm-hmm. making money. And I was rolling. I didn't feel the recession that other people were feeling. Right. But I did not feel fulfilled in that job. So they, long story short, they offered a package. I left. I took the summer off um, because, you know, the economy is, they were downsizing and things like that. Oh, so you, t- took you, took a, su- you took a severance package. I took a severance package and I dipped because I wasn't fulfilled. And they were like, no, this isn't for you. You know, we just send the email out to the whole company, the whole department. But like, no, like you're good. You need to say. And I was like, no, I'm like, this is my chance to do something greater. So from that experience, at the end of the summer, I started looking for jobs again. I had three job offers. Okay. I did not. I didn't apply to any of those jobs. So people started looking at me and they're saying, what are you doing? Like, how, how does this happen? How, how do you graduate in the middle of a recession? You get a really good paying job and then you leave that company and you have three offers on the table. And I'm just like, well, I just kind of do blah, 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 blah. And right. people are like, what? Like, word? Like, they're shocked. They're like, what's going on? I didn't know that. And, and that what, was what, the mo- what were some of those things? So the book talks about, it starts off with savvy networking. And networking, I think, is not about business cards. It is truly about building and maintaining mutually beneficial relationships. So the book starts off there, and then it it walks you through some of these things where situations at work, like don't, don't burn bridges, even though you have flexibility, don't abuse it. Like go in and work your butt off, you know, be smart, work hard, work smart. And that's the, the foundation of the book. But from that whole experience, at some point, 
people started asking me for advice and I started writing emails right. and I was joking and I said, you know what, I'm gonna write a book. And then one weekend I, I started researching, how do you write a book? And I wrote a book proposal and six months later, the book was on Amazon. Excellent. Excellent. Well, congratulations on that. Um, and then let me ask you this. You just, you kind of alluded to it. Was it, was it a hard process writing it? It was a very disciplined process. My life definitely changed. Um, I Once I realized what I wanted to do, I didn't really tell anybody, only my closest circle. And I got to work. I did a lot of research writing the book on like how to write and how to self-publish at the same time. And also how to become an Amazon bestseller. So I would, even if I was dog-tired, like just eyelids wouldn't stay shut, I would go in and I would at least write 15 minutes. I also adjusted my work schedule because I was working full time when I did this. Okay. So um, I went in and I had a conversation with my supervisor. I didn't want them to know because I didn't want them to think I wasn't focused right. on what was paying my bills. So <laughs> um, I went in and I worked my butt off. I never wanted, if anyone at my job were to find out that I was writing a book, I never wanted anyone to say, well, Jacqueline was slacking, and now I know why, because she was writing a book. I worked harder and increased the quality of my work during the time that I was writing the book, because, like, your reputation matters, and your professional brand matters, and, and branding, it's not about what you put on social media, it's what people say about you when you're not in the room. Wow. So, so I was grinding, like, lifestyle change, I wasn't going out to eat, I went to a couple of birthday dinners, but my life was work and Starbucks and writing that book. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay, cool, cool. So when uh, we return, we're going to take a real quick music break. Um, but when we, we return, we're going to talk to Jacqueline, get a little bit more in-depth about how and how you go about actually negotiating. So uh, listen to this music break by our in-house producer, Beats by Beeman, and we'll be right back. Beats by Beeman. Here on Manager Damn Money, the podcast, and I'm here with Jacqueline Twilly, a negotiation, millennial negotiations expert, uh, specifically for women. And we've been talking about kind of negotiation. We've talked about your book, Navigating the Career Jungle, a guide for young professionals. That's available on, on Amazon, right? 
Yes, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and the Apple iBook Store and Google Play. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And uh, so I understand you've been doing this uh, negotiations trainings. Walk me through kind of what you offer people, whether it be like to a company. Um, I know I've seen your sessions like on Instagram and whatnot. Uh, and then what people get when they they engage with you. Right. So people engage with me in several different ways. I work with universities, mostly through their career services. And I go in and I teach their students how to negotiate the first job offer. So in a more corporate setting, I'll go into the corporation and I'll focus on a very specific issue, helping them to negotiate. Mostly I go in with ERGs. So the ERGs are either a women's affinity group within a company are a minority group and just talking about how do you advocate for yourself within the organization beyond salary because you have to to get buy-in to work on projects to get promoted and every day you're negotiating negotiating is really problem solving and so the other way that people work with me is one-on-one so i'm going to give you like a a very high level of of what people get when they work with me you get a strategy You understand the basics of negotiation, and then we work on a strategy. When I work one-on-one, that strategy is, like, super detailed, and we're like best friends while we're working together throughout your whole negotiation, whether that's going to take two weeks, five months, six months. We're, like, like white on rice. Inside of the workshops, what I do is when you leave the workshop, I want you to be able to go out and implement your strategy. So I give you the framework and I tell you some things to look at. And then I also give people tips, tools, and phrases to use. And so one of, one of the things that people are most surprised about when they leave the negotiation workshops, and I get this feedback all the time, people say, wow, once I've done my research and I stress research in all of my workshops, Mm-hmm. You can never be overprepared. They're, they're like, once I did my research, I wasn't as scared. Right. And so that's half the battle right there is your own fear. Right, right. Let's, what, what do you think? Like, so let's get at the core of that real quick. Like, why is it, I mean, aside from like people just not having been taught that they can negotiate, what do you feel like is at the core of people's discomfort or I guess misunderstanding of, or no, 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 discomfort. What's people's discomfort about when, when it comes to like kind of negotiating for salary or other things? The fear of the unknown. Okay. You don't know. You don't know. People will say, oh, I'm not going to put my salary out there first or tell them how much money I want because what if I'm lowballing myself or what if I shoot too high? Well, in the technology age that we live in, you can figure out a lot of that get really, really close. And so it's just a matter of investing at least three to four hours of doing some initial research. Ideally, I like people to spend 10 hours researching and people. And what are they they researching specifically? Okay, good question. So you're going in just like you're going to go in for a job interview. So you're looking at the company or the person. Sometimes you're looking at both. You're looking at, if in the case of a salary negotiation, payscale.com, glassdoor.com. You're looking at what people are saying about the interview questions that they ask, the salary range that they're getting paid, and then even looking at very specifically salaries in the industry that you work in. So you definitely have to check out geographic areas. 
Because what somebody gets paid in Dallas, Texas is going to be different than what somebody gets paid in Tiffin, Ohio. Even if you work for the same company with the same title, cost of living is different. Um, Texas has more people in the the labor force. So you might, you know, there might be an overabundance of people, so they don't have to pay you as much. But if you're going to the middle of nowhere, Ohio, they might have to pay you more just to get you to live in the middle of corn and cows. right? Right. So, so those are like, things that you have to think about research. And the other thing is when you're doing research, think of things you don't want to come up in the interview. And those, those are things that you need to spend a lot of time preparing for because everything you say and do in the interview process and everything they say and do in the interview process can be used to help you build your relationship to negotiate. So it's not a battle. And I, I think part of that, discomfort that you asked about is people think negotiation is a battle. You're going to be working with people, hopefully for a really long time. You're building a relationship. So you want to walk away where it's going to be a win-win. And in terms of doing research, what is it going to take for them to feel like they won? And what is it going to take for you to feel like you've won Mm -hmm. when you walk away from the negotiation table? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you mentioned, I I was going to say, let's say like I've, I'm in my third interview and I'm pretty sure everything's feeling good. Uh, I feel like I'm going to be offered the job. What you, you mentioned, my first step being research, understand, you know, what they pay people as much, as close as you can get. Uh, and just research how you go about doing that. But then after that, what's the next step? So then the next step is to outline what you want. Okay. So for some people, it is the money. For other people, they want to travel or they want to work from home. They want to be off every Friday. They want tuition reimbursement. So it's figuring out what you want. I'll give you an example. Okay. I had a, I had a client who... After she had done her initial research, she knew the type of packages the company offered to new employees. Oh, wow. One of one of those. Right. I mean, all of that information is out there. And don't be afraid to tap into your network, your your parents, friends, your friends of friends. Like, don't be afraid to just say, hey, I'm considering this. What's a typical package like? Right. But beyond that, what she did was she found out that they paid a relocation up to $20,000. Oh, wow. And she is a, a new grad. She had been living with her aunt. So she's going to be moving across country. She don't have furniture. All she has is clothes in her car. <laughs> so part of our strategy was, okay, there's $20,000 already allocated. Let's see if we can get them to take that money and use that as a student loan repayment. Mm. because she didn't need the money to move, but she did have a sizable student loan debt. And so we worked through that strategy of have they ever done this before? How might they receive this? Who's going to have to approve this because it's not typical? And so that was a very tedious process where you're uncovering every stone before you go in there. And she didn't go in and say, hey, let me get that money from my student loan, you know? The way I teach my clients to negotiate is talk about it in terms of what's in it for them and what's the benefit to them. Mm -hmm. And so you always want to put yourself in the other person's shoes and not while you want to know everything about them. But you also want to be very aware of what you want and how you can discuss to get in the best deal. Right, right, right. That's excellent advice. Um, 
And like, kind of a semi-related question. Uh, w- one of the things that I feel like is up in the air always for discussion is when you're first a- approached about when when should you first present what you're willing to get in terms of salary or any of those things? Is it in the beginning when you're first like discussing the possibility of an interview? Like if the, you know some pl- places will ask you what's your salary range. Do you give it to them? Do you defer to the end of the process? And and I, I personally have used different tactics um, just to t- test them out. But like, what have you found that is a really f- effective way to get like, you know, that, that higher end of the salary and also the benefits that you want? Right. So a lot of people don't realize when you fill out an application and you fill in that box with salary, that is an anchor. So that's a starting point. So before you even put in that number of your salary, one of the things that you have to do is, and this is like while you're applying, right? You need to research that title in the city that you're applying to and see what the market rate is. And the market rate is just what a person in that title in that geographic area earns. Then beyond that, the next thing people are going to, probably do on your first phone screen what's your salary requirements or what do you make now absolutely that's gonna be the question so then i tell people again i'm big on research the better prepared you are the more you're going to get the type of money you want or the type of benefits that you want so in that situation you've done as much research as you can you can tell them hey i looked at the job description and this is what i applied to and based on this information I'm thinking 67500 okay? Be very specific with the number. Or you can say the job description was really vague. And before I give you a salary range, I really just need to better understand the position and the work that I'm going to be doing. Oh, wow. That's a good one. So, it, it, you know, you can take it several ways, but never go into this shooting from the hip thinking I'm just going to pull something out of my back pocket. <laughs> right. Right. And I think uh, that question, I I bring that up because I think in the back of everyone's mind when they're on the verge of being offered something or being asked about what they would like to be offered, uh, there's a fear of maybe asking for quote unquote too much. Like explain to me what you tell people about maybe that idea of asking for too much or maybe feeling like you're overshooting, even if you've done the research and you know that's the range. Like maybe it's just the issue of I don't feel comfortable saying I want ninety thousand dollars when that's the actual going rate. Like talk 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 me through that a little bit. Cool. So first things first, I work with high achievers, Ben. Okay. And I tell my high achievers, you are not average. Mm. You go in there, you're dedicated, you outperform, you're very passionate about your work, and so you bring all that energy to your employer every single day. Like I I work with the cream of the crop, okay? So what I'm about to tell you is what I tell them. When you go in there, you have, and we all have it. Even I do it when I negotiate sometimes. It's just that like, oh, is this too much? Like, uh. (laughs) Say the number out loud a couple of times because. (laughs) Get comfortable with it. Get comfortable with it because what's going to happen is if you're a little nervous and you say, Oh, I was thinking 91200 like, people would be like, oh, yeah, I can get it cheaper, right? right? But if I go in there and I say, well, you know, I know I've done my research. I know the market rate is right around 92600 And so 
I definitely want to be paid at market rate based on what you share with me. I know I can come in, hit the ground running, and within six months, we can start making significant progress towards these deliverables. And you tell them, this is why I'm worth that much money. And so if you think that you're going a little high, you know that's the market rate, you got to have a talk with yourself. Like for me, if I'm going into a really big negotiation, I'm going to play Beyonce. I need to get hype. I need to feel like I'm in my zone and I have to have on some high heels. Like, so mentally I prepare myself to go in beast mode. Like I know I'm gonna kill it when I come in here and work for y'all. So I know when you hire me and you want me to come in and do a series of workshops, I guarantee you, I'm going to leave your people inspired. And if they get into action, what I teach them, your company is going to get the results. And so And so, like I said, I work with high achievers. I know they're going to kill it. And when I tell them that and they think about it and they're like, well, yeah, I am going to, I like, I'm dedicated to my work. That just helps you mentally break down that barrier. Right, right. And then too, specifically, um, as it pertains to women, you know, there's always that, that there's always different layers of like social behavior. Um, And I wonder in the attitude you just explained how for women specifically do you get them to come across as that boss Beyonce attitude without necessarily tripping on any of the other wires that are there in terms of the way that our our society kind of treats women or expects women to act? Right. So let's take it a step further and talk about black women because black women deal with a lot of stereotypes. Often, you know, we have to dance between this line between being too passive and towing on the line of angry black woman. And so, you know, people see sass and confidence sometimes as arrogance. So you go in and you say, I understand this is what you want done. And you know this person well. Like, you can't do this without doing research. You cannot do this without knowing as much as possible about the person you're negotiating with. You understand how to communicate with them. You know their body language. If this is through email, you know the type of tone to take in the email. And with black women, when you tell this line, the biggest thing to understand is how do you communicate with that other person and be self-aware? Like, I don't know how much time people spend on emotional intelligence, but I have a friend, Carrie, and Carrie is talking about emotional intelligence all the time. That's super important in negotiations. You have to be aware of yourself. And you have to be able to read people. Mm -hmm. And if you say something and they pause, then you know how to shift gears. You're not changing who you are. You're making sure that you're breaking down barriers so that they can receive what you want. Now, at the end of the day, people might say this person is a B, this person is this or that. But if they know you can get the job done and they know that you're confident in your own ability to get the job done, that takes away a lot of things. So it's super, super complex when when we get to the nitty gritty of talking about how black women negotiate and women negotiate in general. But this is the biggest thing that research has proven is that when you frame it in terms of what's in it for them, what's in it for the team, what's in it for the company, you are more likely to get what you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I wonder if you can just kind of go in just for the benefit of our listeners, uh, exactly what you mean by framing something as of what's a benefit to the other folks. Because I think normally as, as, as humans, we, we think about things the way we, we contextualize it, like what's important to me as the center of the discussion. But how functionally do you mean 
referring to or focusing on uh, the other side of the equation as your like starting point. Okay, so let's go back to when I was talking about research. One of the things with the research is you have to understand what's most important to them. So in the case of a job, you're going in for a job interview. You need to understand how long the position has been open, why it's been open, why they're hiring, what types of challenges the company is having, what goals the company has in the next 6, 12, 18 months, and if if they have them, five-year goals. You have to know as much as possible. So when you go in and you talk about what's in it for them, if I go in, this is something that I did in my career when I was in traditional workforce. There was one year, let me tee it up. I was a federal contractor at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta. And I was employee of the month in my division. This is a global division. We had 200 people across the world. And so every month they would pick one person for significant contributions to the team. And then like right after that, it snowed in Atlanta. So we had to work from home. And what I did was when it was time for my performance review, I went in and I'm talking to my supervisor and we're discussing several things. And I said, remember when I got the employee of the month because da, 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 da. she was like, yeah, that was a slam dunk. Boom. So mm-hmm. I'm teeing the conversation up. And then I, I said, well, you're, yeah, you're, you're like getting her to agree with you. Right. I'm using the things that she had affirmed me by to and other people in our organization. They have affirmed me saying I was doing a great job. So I'm teeing up the conversation. So, again, this is leading to how do you tell them what's in it for them? So then I said, well, right after that, I had to work from home. And remember, you said I got so much done and you can't believe how much I got done working from home. And she was like, yeah. So at this point, she knows where I'm going. It was a natural, it's, it's a natural conversation, though. You know, we got sidetracked. We started talking about water and, and coffee and, and things. And then I, with negotiations, you have to plan to bring the conversation back to where you want it to go. Okay. That's part of your strategy. So then at the end of the day, I said, well, I'm really pleased with the review that I have. But I was thinking that if I got a title change, that would give me more authority to CC you less on emails clear up some of your inbox and go ahead and get the things that I need done for the type of reports that I'm building. And also I like to work from home one day a week because I can get so much done just like I did during the snowstorm. So in conjunction with, you know, a possible title change and working from home, I was thinking that the salary should also match the title because that's really the work that I'm doing. And so she was like, Oh, well, let me think about that, and I'm going to have to talk to some people, and, you know, she shut me down. Right, right. So when we when we revisited the conversation, I got zero of the three, and I continued to work. I didn't let my attitude drop. I didn't let my performance drop. A few months later, she called me into her office. She was like, I can't give you a raise, but I can get you a bonus. Boom. I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> And then several months later, I had the option to work from home on Friday. I never got the title change, but I was cool with the money and working from home on Fridays. So in terms of what's in it for them, I told her my productivity will increase if I am allowed to work from home. If I get this title change, then that will give me the leverage and authority with our partners, internal and external, so that I'm not CCing you on so many emails for people to know, hey, go ahead and send her this information. Right. And 
And at the end of the day, I got most of what I wanted. Right. And so she ended up having conversations with some of our partners, just sing, sending out an email telling them, hey, this is what Jacqueline does, blah, 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 blah. So they knew to go ahead and send me what I needed. Right, right. Very good. I mean, that's an excellent example. And to pivot to one of my final questions, um, I know we, we talked a lot about, you can talk a lot about salary negotiations, but you kind of hit on something in terms of asking for these other little freebies. You mentioned the um, young lady who you helped to get a $20,000 uh, travel or what is it? Relocation fee, re re. Allocated to allocated student loans. As a student loan. What are some things that people don't think about that they can negotiate for? Um, and is it really just about being creative and, and thinking about what you want? Like salary, about, salary aside. Yeah, salary aside. It's about being creative. But also when you're doing your research and you're talking to people and you're saying, hey, I'm thinking about going to Black Pot Company over here or Marble Tile Company over here. You know, what are some of the perks that they offer people? And so your standard package might not have all the bells and whistles. But if you talk to people, you'll find out. Also, if you tell them what's most important to you, like before you go into a negotiation, you need to know what's most important. If you have kids and, and you need child care assistance and there's an on-site child care facility that maybe employees that have been there after six months, eligible to use i mean that's you can bring that up so you got to think outside of the box don't hold any limits and then also if you have on-site child care assistance how is that a benefit to them well i don't have to leave work as early to get across town to pick up my kids you know every time you want something go ahead make your wish list then put yourself in the other person's shoes and say how can me getting this also benefit them Right. And it's not that, you know, you got to work 15 hours a day or, or 10 hour shifts all the time. But just knowing that you could pop to the building next door and access on-site child care. I mean, that's a huge benefit to you and to them. So just really think outside of the box and be creative. Excellent. Excellent. And so and if people want to learn more about like your work, I mean, you've kind of dropped a whole bunch of knowledge on us uh, in this episode. Uh, but if people want to learn more about you and your work, where can they do that at? So you can find out more about me by going to JacquelineTwilly.com. I'm heavy on Twitter. So if you go to JV Twilly, um, it'll tell you everything that I'm doing. The book, like I said, is on Amazon. I also have a negotiation toolkit that talks about a lot of what we have discussed. Well, we hit the surface of it today, but that negotiation toolkit, it gives you sample scripts. It tells you things to negotiate for beyond salary. And that's found on my website as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Jacqueline Twilly, I want to thank you for dropping the negotiation knowledge on us today. Um, and we will catch you next time on manage your damn money, the podcast. Thanks for having press play. We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, Ben.